This is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you are made for more. Here's our latest message. But we're here this morning, and we've been going through this this kind of collection of talks over the book of Proverbs. And the Proverbs really is an indicator of the wisdom of God. And what does God say about instruction? What does God say about wisdom? And so as we open up the scriptures, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 10. And this is what the scripture says, starting in verse 3. My son, Solomon says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you and bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then and then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and also in the sight of man. This is my favorite verse. Honestly, probably my favorite verse of the entire scriptures. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. This translation says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't do it. It's not going to work. It's not going to pan out the way you think it is. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Get rid of it. Push it away. Run from it. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then verse 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops, then Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. The title of this talk today is With All of Your Heart. I want to give you all my heart, God. That, that, that is something that is within me. That is something that burns in my soul. That is since I've been a little boy and I was raised up in church and I had to make this faith my own. I had to declare at some point in my life, I'm going to give you all of who I am. I'm going to give you every ounce of my being, of my mind, of my knowledge, of my frustration, of my not understanding, leaning on my, I'm just going to, it's all yours. It's all yours with all of your heart. You know, I, uh, I have three older brothers and all of them uh, loved, myself included, uh, Rocky Balboa. Have you guys watched Rocky Balboa? <laughs> Grandma Liz. So shout out to Rocky. This is, this is, this is you, bro. <laughs> I told you I was going to shout you out. So Rocky Balboa, if you know anything about Rocky, right? Rocky 1, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, and then there are 5, and then there's like a couple other, right? But the first three Rockies is like the, the catalyst of, of, of pushing beyond limits that you didn't even know were there, right? Rocky, Rocky 1 is like, he, no one knows who he is, and he, he has this, this this million to one shot, right? And he goes on like this center stage and he's fighting Apollo Creed and Apollo's quick and Apollo's fast and Rocky like has this chance. He's, he's brought up to the big leads immediately. But the thing about Rocky is, is you, you know this, is he has given his heart. 
everything he has. And then what's interesting is Rocky 1, he loses to Apollo. And then Rocky 2, he comes back and beats him. And then Rocky 3 is my favorite series of all of them. It's when the eye of the tiger is brought out. You guys know what I'm talking about? And honestly, I had three older brothers, and I'm the youngest, right? My oldest brother, Zach, is six years older than me, and he's tall. He's like 6'3", right? Like 6'3 on a good day, 6'2", but 6'3 in my eyes, right? And we would get boxing gloves. I kid you not. And I'm like six years younger, right? Zach's like 12, 13. And after we'd get done watching, it's like, all right, let's box it out. I mean, I would think that I was Rocky because then we watched Rocky Four with the Russian, and that was Zach. Zach's the Russian, and I'm Rocky, and I'm trying to fight, right? And the thing is, Rocky Three. the reason why I love that movie so much is because he loses something. He gains so much success in the world's eyes. He does everything that he's supposed to do. He's cut. He's ripped. He knows how to fight. He knows when to fight. And now he's just doing like expedition fights. And no one can beat him. He's number one. He's got the belt. He has everything like for him and nothing really against him. And then Clubber comes along. And, and he comes, Mr. T, Mr. T comes, right? You guys know that part? And, and then he comes in, the ring, and Rocky's like, man, I got, he's hardly, he's like, they got the, 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 the entertainment is coming and watching him in his gym, and they're filming him, and then uh, I forgot, Mickey, Mickey's getting frustrated, he's like, this isn't what we signed up for, Rocky's like, oh, come on, Mick, like, it's, it's, it's what they want, and the, he, he's on this high of success, right, in his own eyes, and he's, he's made it at the very top, and he's lost his heart in it. And then, and then something, something crazy happens. He loses. Mr. T knocks him out. Like in, I think, three rounds, he's just done. And then he, like, loses his heart. And he kind of, like, falls into depression. He's not really sure. Sorry, this is like Rocky Balboa at church, right? <laughs> and and it's the, the story, that, it's, it's powerful, though. It's the reason why I love narrative. It's the reason why I love going to the movies because there's something compelling that can speak to you on any form of life. And so Rocky, he comes to a low point in his life and then his old friend, the one who beat him, Apollo Creed comes in his life and he says, Rocky, you've missed it, man. You forgot why you came here in the first place. You forgot why you would get in the ring. You forgot your heart isn't in it anymore. And then Apollo Creed starts to train Rocky Balboa and, and he's starting to explain, he takes him in, the, in like the slums, in the slums to fight in like old bags. And it's just like all these guys that, and he's like, he walks into the room, he's like, you see that rock? You see, they all have the eye of the tiger. They are here because their heart is in it. And the reason why I want to bring that up is because I think oftentimes in our life, in our walk with God, you can get in this pinnacle of life and God is good and God is great and God is awesome because he's like doing things for you and you feel successful and you got that job promotion and you're having kids and it's awesome and you're looking and it's like life is, you're, you're at the top like Rocky and then you forget all about God though. You forgot about church, you forgot to lean on him and not your own understandings. You're making decisions financially without God. You're doing things and he's not even at the forefront. He's not even the first fruit of your life. And then we wonder sometimes why we have lost that, that zeal, that passion for God. I'll be honest. There are times in life where it's like this. Can you agree? 
Walking with God is like this, and it's like, man, I'm at this, this high point, and now I'm at this low point, and it's just like a, it's a roller coaster. But I have to be committed with all of my heart, even when it doesn't make sense. With all of one's heart means with a will, with all of your will, with alarming regularity, with all guns blazing, with all one's might, and with an eye to, with an eye to. And the question is, have you lost the passion of God? Have you? Or maybe you're in this room, and the question you need to ask yourself is, do you need the passion of God? Do you need to get closer? Do you need to submit some things? Because I can make it really simple and really easy. If there is something that is coming before God, get rid of it. Or put it in its proper place. You want to like take a litmus test of where you're at with God and your passion towards God. Who comes first? Is it God or is it material? Is it God or is it that person or this? Is it God or is it your job? What comes, who comes before God? And the answer should be no one. God should be first. God should be the first fruits of everything you do. I'm at this point in my life where, I, I kid you not, even when, like, when I work out, I just want to put worship music on. I'm like that guy now. <laughs> I used to think that was the silliest thing. I kid you not, but it's like everything that I want to let inside my soul, I need to protect. So now I don't care. I'll work out and I'll put worship music on because God is on the forefront of my heart and my soul and my mind, and I want him to know you have all of my heart, God. You have all of my heart. The key verse I want to talk about today is, is to give God all my heart and trust for my future and for my now. Verse 5 and verse 6. This is the, the very like thesis statement to what Solomon is trying to say to you and to I. As he writes this proverb, as he writes this principle of life, and there's a lot of different things you can pull from it, but I kind of want to take a, a deeper look at this. So when you look at verse 5 and 6, what does it say? It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, right? And then something interesting, it says, and do not lean on your own understanding. Now something that's important, when we look at lean, it's not like, like this, like I'm just, I'm, it's like fully allowing rest on God. You know, like those, those trust falls that people do, right? That, that's, that's the lean that he's talking about. Like, I'm going to fully lean everything. I, I'm, I'm not even going to work on my own strength. I'm not even going to kind of make it a little bit with me and a little bit with fully, God, fully leaning on you and not on my own understanding. Because can't we be honest? We, we think we know it all. We think we got it all put together when it comes to life and to why this happens and why that happens and how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to plan. And I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. I love planning. I love thinking towards the future. I want to have like A, B, C backup plans. And I have it all put together, but I have to remind myself, okay, Sammy, that's great. Scripture actually talks about planning ahead, but don't do it in such a way where God isn't first in it. And God can change it whenever he wants. And then verse 6, in all of your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This is wisdom, not to lean on your understanding, but to lean on his. Lean on his instruction, lean on his guidance, lean on what he is calling you to. Lean not to incline, but to support yourself, to rely. So in other words, rely on him and not your own understanding. Fully rely on him. This requires, here it is, trust. Trust on a whole nother level. 
If you haven't got to a point in your walk with God where he's requiring of you trust, that's when you know where faith has to arise. And then there's a scripture in Hebrews, it says that it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So another, without trust, it's impossible. You have to be willing to trust God with who he says he is and what he's gonna do for your life. And this requires all of your heart. It requires you to submit and, and to acknowledge him and to trust in him with everything that you have in your life. And so in doing so, he will make your path straight. He will lead the way of your life he will determine the proper course of action. So not your understanding, but his. I know this is more teaching, but this is so important. Like, I honestly think these are, these are some of the prerequisites to what it means to walk with God. One of the, some of the prerequisites to what it means to actually be an apprentice of Jesus is that I would trust him more than who I think I am or my knowledge of him. Whatever the scripture says, I'm gonna trust that. And that's why it's important to have people that know God and that have been walking with God and having different people in, in different journeys of life. And that's why it's important to sit in community and, and be in, in coin crew and, and, and hearing different people share and talk. And, and they're reminding me of what the scripture says, but I have just forgot because I'm leaning on my own understanding. The cost and reward of knowing God in all these ways are illustrated first in the personal realm in verse seven. So let's look at verse seven. If you have your Bibles or your, your phone app. So Proverbs three, the, the main pinnacle is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now look at verse seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That's the personal realm. Where are you at personally with God? Have you done this with him? Have you even had conversations with him? Has he got you to a place in your life where you have to say, all right, personally, I'm gonna trust in you. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Isn't that interesting? I was talking to Kelly about this just because like this message is for me. I honestly, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And I didn't look at the entire chapter though. That's the problem. Sometimes we just read one verse and we memorize it and it's all good and dandy until you like look at what the author's trying to say as he pans out the passage. And then I was confronted with something that God is trying to speak to me right now about trust. And not only is it personal, but it's material, financial. Can we all be there in some point in our lives where it's like, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Do I keep the job? Do I walk away from the job? Do I do what you call me to do? But what about the finances? What about taking care of my family? But you're calling me to do it. It's not making sense. And so I kind of, I don't want to walk on my own understanding, but I want to walk on yours. But like, you're asking me to do that? Like, that's off. Oh, I have to trust you. Oh, that, that's what you're calling me to do. Oh, oh yeah, that's right, God, when I'm in worship and I'm praying and I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm saying, God, I surrender my life to you. Do what you must in my life. Do what you must in my family. So then when it comes to a point where he's beckoning me to come out to deeper waters, I all of a sudden don't want to do it. But the more that I walk in faith, the more that I step out into deeper waters, the more I, I can experience the power of God that he says what he says, and it's true. It's not just words falling to the ground. And, and I, gotta, I gotta illustrate this because this is me, man. 
The original meaning of trust is this. Watch this. It's lying helplessly, helplessly face down. Helplessly. I don't know if you've ever been to this point with God. But this is what must be required of you if you want to get out of your slump. If you want to get out of where you feel you're at and you feel like you've lost passion with God, what happens when you get on your knees? It's a form of surrender. But, but I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been here with God. Like, yeah, God, I know. I know it's hard and I know it doesn't make sense. But then when, it, when you hit rock bottom financially, materially, when you hit rock bottom in your relationships, what happens? I've been here before. And you need to be here too. As your pastor, I'm saying if you're in a low place, you need to lie helplessly before God, physically. Physically. And this is what, I kid you not, I hope you can all see me. This is what it looks like. Just like this. Lying helplessly on the floor. God, it doesn't make sense to me, Lord, what you're asking me to do. Father, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to let go of that job. The, the security there, the financial uh, means, God, it's not making sense, Lord. But you're, you're, you're saying this, and, and when I look at it and I talk to people, it's like not adding up. But your word says that, that, that your sheep know your voice. And God, I know your voice. I know you've talked to me. I know you've spoken to me, but it doesn't make sense. And so I'm here, God, and I'm, I'm, I'm helplessly asking you to lead me and to guide me. And then he speaks to my soul and says, trust me. Sammy, will you trust me? Coin Church, will you trust me? Friend that doesn't understand what to do next, do you trust God? Mom, that's going through some issues with your child, do, 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 you, do you trust God? Because the problem is, what happens is we, we get in relationship with other people and we think that they can fix our problems. And I've already am starting to see it in our community. You do not need me. You do not need me to help you figure out what's next. You need God. You don't need your, your, your small group or your coin crew leader to help you figure out what to do next. They can give you advice and they can encourage you, but it's your job, it's your ownership of faith to take this thing seriously and to go to Jesus. So to all the leaders in the room, we don't call people to ourselves, we call people to Jesus. Amen? So, so mom and dad, yeah, yeah call, call them to yourself, but don't forget to call them to Jesus. Because you're not going to stand with them in front of God at the judgment day. It's going to be them and God. It's one thing my parents taught me, and I think they taught me really well, to fear God. Oh, we just talked about that. The fear of God, the awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. So I, I'm not even kidding. I don't even want to mess around. The older I get, I'm like, I fear you too much, God. I want you to bless my family because the scripture talks about it. Not financially, because if you read chapter 3, it even says gold and silver isn't what you're looking for. That's not even it. Sure, that can be an added bonus, but that's not it. I just want you to speak to me, God. I want you to move in my life, God. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your bodies and nourishment to your bones. Your mind and will surrendering and trusting, thus your whole being is, watch this. When you trust, when you surrender, when you give it all to God, this is what happens. You become invigorated. You become revitalized. You become energized and you become refreshed. 
when you simply learn how to lay helplessly before God. Another scripture says, I wasn't planning on bringing this up, I won't go into detail because I know it's like, yeah, I get it, but like it's the maturity of the scripture. Psalm says, as a baby comes out of a mother's womb and latches on to a mother in nourishment, are we to trust God like that? That's the, that's the, and that's the narrative. You want to trust God? Trust him like a baby helplessly trusts its mom for nourishment. Yeah, Grandma Liz. <laughs> So to trust is to acknowledge and it's to know him. It's to really know him. That's what acknowledge is. is I want to know you, God. So the first is the personal realm. The second, and I wasn't even planning on going this. This is what the scripture says. The second is the material. Then in verse 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, we can understand that this was written in ancient time where they had crops and that was their form of income. So make it relevant to your life. Honor God with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops, with all of your work, with all of your business, with all of your plans, with all the things that God is bringing you and giving you favor for. If it's, if it's got wealth connected to it, honor him and put him first in it. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I love this because, you see, we, we tend to take in verse 10, but it, ne it must not steal the thunder of verse 9. I don't know if it's up there. So this, this is verse 10. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing. Like, I want that. Yes, God, 100%. I want to be filled with plenty. I want my barns to be overflowed. I want my vats to brim over with new wine, meaning I want it to be overflow financially. Overflow. God, give it to me overflow. But we, we forget that, that verse 9 says, honor God with your wealth, though. And, and does that not require trust? Like, I'll be honest, it doesn't even make sense to me. But I'm like, man, God, I'm at a place where if you said that, I will do it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. A lot of people might even think I'm off, but if you said to do it, God, then I'm going to do it. To know God in our financial ways is to see that these honor him in gratitude and in trust. Am I honoring God in my material? Am I honoring God in my finances? This is the hardest for me personally. For me, right here, Sammy. This is the hardest for me. And I'm not even just talking about giving God a tenth. That's, 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 that was taken care of a long time ago. But it's, it's when it goes deeper and when he says, no, okay, that's, that's good, Sammy. Thank you for honoring me. I will bless you. And I have seen the blessing over my life. No one can argue that better than I can. It's like what scripture says when Paul says, I'm going to boast in only one thing and one thing only in all of the goodness of God and what he's done for my life and for my salvation. And so then he adds to my life when I honor him, he blesses me. I don't do it to get the blessing, but it's just an added bonus of a good father. But it's not even tithing at this point. It's like God calling me deeper and saying, Sammy, if I've called you to this, will I not provide for you? And so I'll ask you that question. If God called you to something, will he not provide it for you? And that's the power of knowing God that he is beyond time. If, like, if time is, is just a straight line, he's above it. He hovers above it like the scripture says. He knows what's going to happen here and he knows what's going to happen here. So if he told you here you're called, 
you're chosen, I've, I've appointed you to this, this is the plan I have over your life, then you better believe that he knows what's going to happen down here because he told you he was going to bless you. He told you he was going to choose you. He told you he was going to give you favor. He told you he was going to give you his dream and implant it in your heart, and so he knows the outcome. And so you have to get to a point in your life that you trust him and giving him first and not a later share. And then this is a scripture. 1 Corinthians 16 says, On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This was Paul speaking to the church. Mark 12 says this, They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. But in everything, all she had to live on. It was a posture that she was all in with her heart. Because, I mean, doesn't scripture say like where your treasure is, like where your finances is where your treasure will be. Where does your money go? I could tell you that's where your treasure is. Where does your finances go? I could tell you that's where your heart posture is. And then Deuteronomy 26 says this, this is interesting. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, here it is, I bring the first fruits of the soil to you, Lord that you have given me, place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. So the side note is, is not to just obtain prosperity, yet wisdom is more than that. It's not, I'm not, I hope you get this. I'm not trying to say give so you can get prosperity. So you can be like, the ish and have all the money in the world. That's not what the scripture's saying. Like, read it. We don't have enough time to read all of it, but read it. Verse 11 through 16, I'll just, it says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because he does that. I don't know if you're there as, as a mature follower of Jesus, but he'll do that. He'll discipline you. He'll, he'll make your path straight, especially when you submit to him and you surrender to him and you give your life to him and it's not making sense and he's told you over and over and over and over again. Sometimes as a father disciplines a child, the Lord has to do that with us. That's mature following of Jesus. To be able to say, God, discipline me whenever, wherever you need because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom. This is it, guys. Those who gain understanding. So you're blessed if you find wisdom. You're blessed if you find understanding. For she, here it is, is more profitable, profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So I love, do you see what Psalms, he's a smart guy. He's saying it's not all about money. Yeah, I'll fill up your barn with overflow if you honor me with your first fruits, but it's not all about money. For she, meaning wisdom, is more profitable than that. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her, to wisdom. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. So as we end with this, my, my declaration over our church and over myself is, God, let me trust you with all my heart. Can we just acknowledge that, that God, I want to trust you with everything. I want to trust you with what I don't even know because I'm so futuristic, God, I have to have a plan. And if the plan doesn't seem to be panning out, then God, like, are you going to, like, take care of me? 
I've trusted you with everything. I've put you first in everything. God, are you going to take care of me? And, and the response is, God, I'm going to give you all that I am. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it with all that I have. I will trust you and I'm going to submit to you. I will trust you and I will acknowledge you. I will trust you and I will desire and begin to know you. And the promise you give me is this. Here's, here's his promise. That he will make your path straight. That he, God, God Almighty, the one who created the heavens and the earth, God Almighty, the one who knows you from the inside out, God Almighty, the one who knows the beginning from the end, God, that God Almighty, the one who put the cosmos into being, God Almighty, the one who put the earth into motion, the one who understands the, the distance that the earth must have with the sun, that God Almighty, he says he knows you with all of his heart. But he's asking you, will, will you pursue me with all of your heart? And if you do, and if you seek wisdom, not on your understanding, but on mine, if you do that, I will make your path straight. There might be some discipline in it because you're human and you make mistakes. There might be some rearranging that needs to be taken place because you've submitted to him, but he will make your paths straight. Like some of you guys just need to accept that and sit on that for a second. If you trust God, he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. But in all of my ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight.